What's up, High Vibers? Hope your energy is good today. Hope you are ready to learn and expand your mind. Tell you this world is not what we think it is. Today, we may be rocked a little bit with our guest, L.A. Marzulli. He's one of the uh, world's best experts in the alien phenomenon. He's come out with a bunch of books, a bunch of films. He's, uh, he's one of the legends. And But what really is interesting about this conversation is how he ties in the alien UFO phenomenon with the Bible. OMG. No pun intended. Pun intended. It's very interesting. And you know, Listen, I know that some of y'all just don't even like hearing the word the Bible because it's like, ah, it kind of gets y'all sort of bent in a weird shape. But let that go for a few minutes and just dive in deep with L.A. Of course, always hit me up on Instagram at Kid Carson Show. You can also hit me up at KidCarson.com where you can buy tickets to one of my live events or join my upcoming new community of awake, high and peeps. And again, I always appreciate you enjoying these episodes and sharing them with whoever you might think will dig them. We broadcast live from the Paradox Hotel in downtown Vancouver. If you ever want to stop by and say hi, you might just catch me interviewing someone here live in the lobby. Just knock on that glass door. It's all good, man. Give me a wave. I'll come out, give you a hug, give you some love. Because that's what we do when we vibe ha, baby. Let's do it. L.A. Marzulli. L.A. How are you? I'm great, man. I can't believe I'm talking to you. This is so exciting. <laughs> well, if I'm going to be really honest, it's like a mixture of excitement and um, nervousness. Because I'm not sure if you know this real quick story, but um, a guy that knows you, um, I guess we had a mutual friend that that connected us for this interview. When I first Al sat down, yeah, yes, Al Matthews. And when I first sat down with him a couple of years ago, I'll tell you, we sat for a couple hours and chatted, and I was a bit messed up for at least four or five weeks afterwards. <laughs> I get, it. I totally get it. Um, yeah, it's it's not for the faint of heart. I remember uh, watching Linda Mouton's how Linda Mouton Howe's uh, movie in the nineties on cattle mutilations and watching like 10 minutes at a time and then turning it off. And then two or three days later, returning to it and then watching another 10 minutes and then turning it off because it was yeah. so disturbing. Uh, there's nothing in our, our grid system here which prepares us for this information. I mean, there's nothing. So once you jump in, you're in, now what? And it takes a while for all of us to integrate what, what we're learning what the information is and the consequences of it and its unbelievable implications. But can you tell me how is it that you got into something like this that most people don't even have the courage to? Yeah, sure. And, and thanks for having me on the show, kid. Um, here's the deal. When I was 12 years old, I was at Boy Scout camp, uh, Rising Sun, Maryland, Camp Horseshoe. And the, there's, there's four of us, four boys. We're taking a shortcut back to the campsite uh, because it's lunchtime. We want to get back there and, and, and get the grub. What 12-year-old boy doesn't, right? And we're hopping through these rocks. It's a warm, I think it was in the spring. It's either in the spring or the fall, but it's a warm, sunny day, not a cloud in the sky. It's just beautiful. And we're hopping boulders and running up this, this dry creek bed. And I'm the fourth boy. I'm the last boy in, in the line of the four. And we're bouncing up and, you know, laughing and having a good time. And the lead guy goes, oh my gosh, what's that? And the other two boys go, wow, what is that? And I go, where? And they go, there. And I look up, and there's basically the classic silver disc, just like in the sky, just like, maybe move it over this side. It's a little darker, you can see it. 
So very thin. And it's about that size. It's about that size. So I'm, we're all looking at this thing for 15 or 20 seconds, and it goes like this. Here it is, and it just kind of goes whoop, and gone, just like that. Straight up. Straight, straight up. up. Straight up and gone. So we go back, we run to the campsite. We saw a UFO, we saw a flying saucer. This is circa 1961, 1962. So it's many, many years ago. And all the boys crowd around us, the scoutmasters crowd around us, and we tell what we saw. We saw a flying saucer. Well, that's the, that's the afternoon meal, that's lunch. By the evening meal, the other three boys denied that they had seen anything. Oh, we just made it up. And I went, no, we didn't just make it up. I know what I saw. I refused to back down from the story. This is 12 years old. And, and wow. what it did, it taught me a life lesson that you know you can go along with the herd or you can stand for the truth. And I knew what I saw and I wasn't gonna back down. That was the first one I saw later on in life. I we saw two others, both with my wife. Um, Can I quickly ask why the other two boys, or sorry, the other three boys, decided to back down from the story? Ridicule. Ridicule. They're being, they're being made fun of, being called mm. names. And it's just, look, I've lived with this all my life, and I've written thirteen books and produced, produced, and co-produced, and the whole deal, and directed uh, upwards of twenty-three films now. And I've been called all sorts of names. I don't care anymore. I've got really pretty thick skin. Welcome to the territory if, if you choose to go that route. But um, what really, I mean, I was involved in all of this. I believed I was a new age guy before I became a board against spiritual Christian. So I've been on both sides of the aisle. My third eye was open. I had a guru. I was in the ashram. I had spirit guides, Carlos Castaneda, Dream Quest, Vision Quest. I mean, all that stuff. I lived it. I was there. Uh, and then at 30, well, at, at about 26, I became totally agnostic. I, I can't find this guy. Uh, and then when I was 30, I became born again. And it was, it was just, it was a fluke. I was reading a couple of books. Uh, and at the end of one by David Hunt, there was this little little deal, you know, you can save us and invite Jesus into your life. You know, I'm kind of going, yeah, sure. I've tried everything. Give me a break, right? So I, I mumble the prayer. It's like, you know, I don't know whether you're real or not, but if you are, come into my life. That was that was all I said. There was no, it was, I was alone in my room for crying out loud. And that's, that's all it was. And I, I kind of wait, look around, nothing happens. Of course, nothing happened. 30 days <laughs> later, the cock guy hit the fan and I was being pulled out of the kingdom of darkness. It was a three-year battle for my soul, um, what I experienced then was I I wouldn't want anybody I you know I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It was spiritual warfare, and it really opened my eyes to what's really going on all around us. So from thirty to forty, there's just this period of let's let's rewire L.A. Marzulli. You know, it's just like yanking this wire out and putting a new wire in, type of thing. So when I was when I was the ripe age of forty is when I really hit the stride again with all this stuff. And I remember the spirit of a living God just saying, hey, remember all that stuff you used to research and do, you know, before you hit 30? Guess what? We're going to go back and revisit that from a totally different paradigm. And I'm kind of going, what? So the book that changed my life was The Omega Conspiracy. Um, and it's by, by my mentor, Dr. I.D.E. Thomas. Shameless plug. That book changed my life because, because Dr. Thomas is talking about the relationship of UFOs and what's going on to the Nephilim. And that was that was just unbelievable. That was a game changer. 
Um, I wrote to him, I met him, I interviewed him, he became my mentor. Um, I received my honorary doctorate from Pacific University through Dr. I.D.E. Thomas. Um, and we we're off to the races. That book changed my life and set me on the course that I'm on today. So from that was like the catapult to all things Nephilim, which resulted in this, which is, you know, over 300 pages of all sorts of crazy stuff. Mm. And with the elongated skulls. Kid, it's, it's all related. It all goes like this. So what's the best way for people to understand that? Actually, I want to back up a little bit real quick and touch on, you mentioned spiritual warfare. I believe that's true. Uh, many years ago when I started my radio career, I worked at a Christian radio station. That was my first gig. It wasn't my first choice. <laughs> I, wanted to work at the, I wanted to work at the cool radio stations that my friends listened to, but that's where I got hired. Ended up being one of the most amazing experiences I could have asked for because I was introduced to this God world that I didn't really understand uh, before that. But I experienced what I felt like was spiritual warfare, just weird things happening. Can you, I mean, maybe it's private, but I'll ask the question anyways. Can you explain a little bit what spiritual warfare was like for you? Yeah, I'll give you an example. This was 42 years ago when I, when I first came across the line. And I had no idea what I was getting into. It, it wasn't church, that's for sure. It wasn't church. You know, it wasn't some form of religion. It wasn't that at all. It was a personal relationship with the spirit of a living God. But one night I'm going to bed. And, and at this point in my life, 42 years ago, um, I was single. My girlfriend immediately ran, ran for cover, you know, just just left me. I came home from work one day. Everything in the house was stripped. I remember sleeping on the floor. You know, it's just like, oh, okay. Next day I got a mattress, blah, blah, blah. But but I'm I'm alone and I'm I would sleep clutching to the Bible. Mm. That that's how that's how intense it was. And as I'm getting ready to go to sleep, I hear this audibly, Roar! like that, as something was trying to enter, and something was wow. trying to come in. And I just, I just obviously I freaked and just cried out, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's not what people think it is, and unfortunately, you know, we mankind have made it into, you know, stained glass windows, monks with funny haircuts, rosary beads, paintings. It's not that at all. It's not that at all. What it is, it's a relationship with the living God, the one who created the entire universe, created you and created me. And when we come to him, he begins to change our DNA. But he also not, and you know, my, my conversion was very dramatic and others have a different story, but mine was like, Let's go, spiritual warfare. Here's another example. <laughs> this is my wife and I get married 38 years ago. And we go to Hawaii, right? For our, for our honeymoon. Yay, right? I'm not expecting anything. We're going to have a great time. It's our honeymoon. Man, was I wrong. So we're, we're in this room. It was beautiful. 14-foot ceilings. It was this uh, private estate. It was the old home of the overseer to this huge plantation, which had been carved up and the house was part of a, um, just like a bed and breakfast type thing. So we rented this thing for two weeks. So we come in from the beach one day and I instantly feel the presence of the enemy, of, of something evil lurking. I don't say anything to my wife. And she goes, she turns to me and she goes, do you feel the presence of evil? I go, yeah. I do. Wow. Course, wow. Yeah. Of course, the moment we acknowledged it, it manifested. It, it just, it was all, it was, you know, 
you you could just so we just sat there and sang sang praise worship we worshiped the lord we we read some psalms and about 20 or 30 minutes later i looked at her and i said i said can you feel it and she goes yeah the lord's peace just came over the whole place and it was gone the evil was gone and we just sat there just bathing in the lord's presence and in his peace now i realized to a lot of people that's like that's really wacky all right but i'm just telling you that's 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 my world that's where i live and it's really it, it's nothing extraordinary it should be the, the case for everybody who who you know wants to get involved with with the guy upstairs and so i mean that's just a couple of examples but when i went to paracas and handled the elongated skulls like this guy here this is a one-to-one -one model of one mm -hmm. that was the, that was the baby skull that we unwrapped. This is not a human being. It's it's something genetic, in my opinion. The um, the the DNA testing showed a Middle Eastern origin, and the haplogroups showed a Middle Eastern origin and also Eastern European. It had red hair. The orbits, the eye sockets here, are 25 to 30 percent larger than a human being. The brain capacity, as you can see here, is larger. And of course, the real smoking gun is the foramen magnum should be, let me get something to show you. The foramen magnum should be here. The foramen magnum on this particular skull is all the way in the back. So we're looking at something that's, in, in our opinion, is absolutely genetic. And when I handled these things uh, in 2013, 2014, um, there's stuff that was attached to them. And I was mm -hmm. under oppression, and I mean oppression, for about about four years, off wow, and off. off and off. Wow, I I could not shake it. Yeah, I I could not. Let me get the display thing off here. So like an energetic, um, some some sort of entity that was attached to. Because I've heard that too. Ent entities that yeah. can uh, attach themselves to a space or a physical object. Yeah, yeah. So when you encountered and touched this, you took on. <laughs> you took that on. For some people, they think that if you believe in and we'll just use the loose term like if you believe in aliens like then that means there's not a god like people don't some people who are new to the subject don't realize the connection between the two and i know that's what makes you special is that um you're saying this is all connected god the the beings all this stuff like usually there's people who love ghost ghost stories and aliens but they're they don't believe in god do you know what i mean like, there's like a weird something happens in the brain they think the two don't coexist what what people don't understand is is that we we are involved in a, in a cosmic war. This book here, you know, the B I B L E, has a thread of prophecy from the Book of Genesis to the Book of Revelation. There's no other book like it on Earth. I mean, there just isn't. You can get Hopi prophecy. There's some prophecies in Islam. You can get some things in the Bhagavad Gita, but there's nothing like this which calls calls out with great specificity events that will happen, and and it does so through the pages of the book. Um, but the book is locked. There's the key to this book is you can read it to the cows come home. Good luck with that. And I've spoken to theologians who are not spirit filled and born again. And they are they're in my opinion, honestly, they're clueless because it's an integrated message system. And in order to read it, a person has to have the spirit of a living God in them, which reveals what they're reading. I mean, which sounds I realize it sounds really woo woo, but it's not. And once, once a person begins to experience that, they just go, oh, my gosh. Because people go, oh, yeah, I read the Bible. Oh, yeah. 
but they really haven't read it. And so they don't understand what's in there. There's prophecy, which is called out with great specificity, hundreds of years in advance. I mean, great specificity. The details are remarkable. And there they are. And then they become fulfilled. One that, that we most of us know we can look at in modernity would be the, the rebirth of a nation of Israel. That's sort of like the Manhattan Indians going back to Manhattan Island in New York and going, hey, we're here and we're going to reclaim Manhattan. Ain't going to happen. Well, it's the same thing. No one ever would have imagined. If you go back 150 years ago and you read writings from the time within you know, the church, people were looking at this and saying, well, that's that's got to be allegorical. It's it's too fanciful. It'll never happen. And at the at, on the ashes of the Holocaust, uh, the birth of Israel, uh, and that's a three-hour conversation. We are in. This book can be perceived this way: there's a there's a war going on. It's been going on for millennia. We're sort of the pawns in it on some level, and the protocols of it, we're not really given a whole lot of information. But there are protocols. There, there is like a contract with this thing, because the Most High God could blink his eyes and the whole thing could be over. But that's not what he does. He allows the thing to play out. So there's a move, counter move, move, counter move throughout all of Scripture. I'll give you an example. When you read um, in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, stop right there. Well, well is it? You know, how did he do that? First of all, is it a recreation like some of us believe? In other words, something happened violently because the earth was, is without form and void sitting there. Some cataclysmic deal happened, which resulted in darkness covering the face of the earth. And then there's this recreation. So what we see is some that mankind is created. He's set in this garden, supposedly, right? Adam and Eve. And something happens. My good friend and a mentor to me, Gary Stearman, calls it the dragon trap because that's essentially what it is. So Adam and Eve were in the garden and people go, oh, that's just mythos, LA. Is it really? There is a garden. These people are there. And something happens there. The, the serpent, the dragon, is talking to Eve. Stop right there. Eve's not taken aback by this. She's conversing it. The question is, how long did she converse with it? Is it two times, five times, 500 times? We're not given the answer. But it's very, she's not taken aback by the serpent yakking at her. They're conversing. It's no big deal. That in itself should cause everybody to, whoa, what are we looking at here? Something is going on. And then, of course, the unthinkable happens. Well, there's a little vignette, Genesis 3.15, which sets up the rest of the biblical prophetic narrative. If a person doesn't understand Genesis 3.15, then they have no idea of what's going on through the rest of the Bible, number one. Number two, they have no idea what's really going on all around us. And it's called the seed war. So you got the pre-incarnate Christ in the garden, which itself is an absolute mind boggler. I mean, how does that work? And you got Adam and Eve over here and you got the dragon. And the pre-incarnate Christ says to the dragon, and this is the whole key. This is the whole key to everything. Your seed, your offspring will be at war with the offspring of the woman. The one coming from the woman, the offspring of the woman will crush your head. You will bruise his heel. That's the whole deal. It's the whole deal. Because someone mm. coming from the woman eventually will crush the dragon's head. Dragon doesn't like that. Three chapters later, what happens? 200 watcher angels come down on the days of Jared on Mount Hermon, and they create an oath. And that oath is to marry, take wives from whomever they chose. 
go into them, pollute the genome. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God saw the daughters of men and went into them and had children by them. What we see is immediately it's a seed war. Three chapters later in Genesis 6, the seed war erupts. It's the seed of the dragon, the offspring of the dragon. And this is why when we get to the Tower of Babel, after, well, Noah's flood happened. And you say, why does a loving, holy God wipe everybody out with a flood? There's a reason for it. It's the protocol, move, counter move, move, counter move. The move from the fallen one is to create the Nephilim. The move from the most high God is not so fast citizen. He floods everything and destroys everything except the animals that he brings in. And Noah is pure in all his generations. And I realize this stuff sounds really wacky. I get that. But we, we know, skipping ahead, way ahead, thousands of years later, when the children of Israel come out of Egypt and they're at the promised land and the spies go in, what do they say? Whoa, we saw the Nephilim. What of a Nephilim? Once again, the seed war. And the mandate comes down, wipe them all out. Richard Dawkins uses that to show that the God of the Old Testament is maniacal, capricious, genocidal. And he's right, unless something else is going on. Because these entities are soulless. Skipping up into the modern day UFO stuff, it says this, their seed, this is the book of Daniel, written 2,500 years ago. Daniel, seal up the words in this book. Men and women will run to and fro over the face of the earth and knowledge will increase. So the book is sealed. You won't understand until the time of the end. Guess where we are? Men and women run to and fro over the face of the earth. Knowledge increases exponentially. Daniel chapter two says this, their seed will mingle with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to them. That word cleave is the same word in Genesis for marriage. No marriage, but we're going to mingle with seed. The question is, who are they? Their seed will mingle with the seed of men. It can't be the seed of men. It's got to be something else. Welcome, and I'll just dive right in with, into the deep end of the pool. Welcome to the modern day abduction phenomena. There is no marriage. The women are taken. They are impregnated. Men are taken. Sperm is taken from them. They are violated that way. The women are violated. The women are impregnated. In the third month of the, of the pregnancy, they are re-abducted, and the fetus is taken from them. Sometimes years later, they are re-abducted five years, 10 years, 20 years later, and shown their offspring. In our, in our fourth film on our UFO series, we deal with Al Matthews, Karen, um, and, and two other abductees who all were taken. Karen was impregnated by them three times, three times. Just to recap quickly on part of that was that it's a seed war and the, the Nephilim, sorry, I can't even say the word. Nephilim, Nephilim, Nephilim. <laughs> Nephilim, Nephilim they're soulless. The is that what you're saying? Soulless. They're soulless. Okay. They're soulless. Because we've had we've had people who have interacted with the modern hybrids, like Al Matthews, whom you interviewed, and, mm -hmm. and Diane, who um, he had an encounter with. Uh, she's soulless. We had a gentleman from Norway on my show uh, recently who had an encounter with a hybrid entity. So I'll tell you the story real quick. He's he's in a market. And this is on my YouTube channel, L.A. Marzulli. He's in a market in Norway one beautiful summer, mor summer morning this year with his wife, and they're in the vegetable section, and they're getting vegetables. I mean, what's more normal than that, right? 
and there's nobody else in the aisle. And he looks up and at the end of the aisle suddenly appears this very tall woman, striking platinum blonde hair, right? And she's dressed in, in clothes that he's never seen before. And she, she like slithers like this. She floats down the aisle. He can't see her feet moving. And he's, she stops five feet in front of him. She's over seven feet tall. And before he, and she, and he, and this, this entity, this woman is looking at him with absolute hatred. And he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on. And before he can do anything, she lifts up her skirt and she's not wearing any underwear. And he turns like this, you know, just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? His wife at this moment is hiding behind the vegetable stand. All of a sudden, he says this in the interview. I remembered what you, what you said, L.A., rebuke first, ask questions later. And out loud, he says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. She like, her face contorts. And in a second, she goes from here to the end of the aisle. It's like, boom, just like that. She's like, right, this is, this is the guy in Norway. She's five feet away. He rebukes her in Jesus's name. Boom, she's at the end of the aisle. And all of a sudden, she just disappears just like that. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. What do you think is happening in that moment? Why is that being, what's that being doing there? Like, They're integrating here. They're, they're revealing themselves. They're showing up more and more. Um, I'll give you one other story. Um, this is all from this year. So this guy is, um, uh, you know, he's in, in construction and, he and a co-worker, he's driving his pickup truck, co-workers in the passenger seat. They're at a fast food place here in the States. They're going to get something to eat. I mean, it's like the guy in the vegetable stand, right? Or, this, or the market. I mean, it's like totally normal. Nothing, you're not expecting anything. All of a sudden, it's high strangers to the nines. So they placed their order in window one, like we all know. He goes up to window two. He pays. The lady hands the first bag of the order. And he hands it to his friend in the passenger seat. He turns back like this. He gets the woman hands the bag. And as he takes the bag, he's looking up like this. And the woman's face shapeshifts, change, changes completely. It's iridescent. Half the face is alien, large eye, iridescent. And, she, and they look at each other. And she knows that she's been outed. And before he can do anything, she covers her face and runs away from the window. And he's looking in to the, to, the, uh, to the fast food place. And as she runs by a coworker, he goes like this. He's freaked out. So <laughs> this is like this year. And when people, yeah, Dr. David Jacobs' book, Walking Amongst Us, talks about this because they are now integrating, like Diane, like this person, like Dan, Diane Kelly, that Al Matthews tells us in the film, like the person in Norway, like this man in a fast food restaurant. Um, they're here, they're integrating. And eventually, when the UFOs really, really begin to manifest, right now we've got this cat and mouse game. And some of your listeners may go, well, you know, I just, eh, it's no longer what I say. It's what our news agencies are telling us here in the States and up North, where you guys are. And, on, you know, we are on the 11th rung of a disclosure ladder. Tucker Carlson stated on the record uh, with David Fravor, Commander David Fravor is a former F-18 pilot who comes on, had an encounter with a tic-tac-shaped object 
over the Pacific Ocean, you know, locked this thing into his gun sites. It's all on film. It was at one time classified information. He comes on the record and he goes, yeah, you know, when Tucker Carlson says, well, what do you think this was, Commander David Fravor? Fravor looks right at the camera and says, whatever this was, was not from this earth. Several weeks later, Luis Elizondo appears on Tucker Carlson and announces, we've got metal from crashed UFOs and we're testing it. Several weeks after that, Christopher Mellon, former CIA guy, once again on Tucker Carlson's show, comes on the record and says, we've tested the metal. It's got isotopic ratios not found on this earth. It's like <laughs> rung number four, the Pentagon states, there's a leak from the Pentagon stating that we have in our possession, the United States government has in its possession, off-world vehicles not made on this earth. Number five is the ridiculous nine-page report from governmental agencies stating that out of 143 UFO sightings, um, or 144 UFO sightings, we couldn't identify 143 of them. Gee, thanks a lot. Number six is NASA hiring priests to dialogue with them in case they show up. How will this impact the so-called religions of the world? Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And, and what, um, what's your take on, if we could, for a quick sec, what's your take on getting information about um, these things happening from mainstream sources because there are a lot of people that believe what you know these soulless beings have sort of risen to the top of positions of power around the world and are creating some of the things that are happening if the soulless beings really are running 90 percent of the globe's uh media for example are we then tuning in a fox and getting the information that they want us to have like some would say there's a a a potential fake alien invasion coming where it's uh you know not to doubt these things are happening i believe they're happening but are they sort of creating a separate storyline that we're going to pretend they've they're showing up to help us like i just don't if they didn't want us to know why would they be going like why would cia people be going on the news and saying uh do you know where, do you know where i'm going with this do you know like yeah, i no, trust the information from you i just don't know if i trust it from fox yeah i i or, don't either you know, but uh, what What's interesting is they're, they're rolling things out, but in our second film on the UFO phenomena, uh, we sit down with, with um, Francisco Carrera, who's head of Exopolitics Portugal, and Frisco, Francisco's saying everything, and I agree with him, everything right now is being couched as a threat. It's a threat to national security. It's a threat to our airspace. It's a threat. Well, if mm -hmm. you watch Stephen Greer, he says exactly the opposite that these are our space brothers, they're here to help, it's benevolent, not so fast citizen, how can he possibly say that? When they show up, and, and let me, let me before I jump in, the, the Darwinist, Darwinism says that there is no God, no supernatural, everything just happened over billions of years of mindless evolution. Okay, believe that if you want, good luck with that. How does nothing produce something? So I believe that the Most High God spoke everything into existence, but the Neo-Darwinists, are looking at the Darwinian theory and going, no, it can't happen like that. And they look at the complexity of human life and realize now, because of the DNA molecular structure, the oxyribonucleic acid, the double helix of life, that the building is the building blocks of all life on this planet. That, wait a minute, this thing just didn't spring into existence out of nowhere. This is a complex code, very complex code. Surely there's a creator. So they're looking out there, panspermia, out into the galaxies, out to space, 
that somehow we were created here by a, a race of extraterrestrials. Okay, fine. That's circular reasoning. Who created them? And around and around and around we go, right? And who knows where? So they're waiting. They're like ready to embrace the revealing of the so-called extraterrestrials. When they show up, they will say this, that we created all life on this planet. We genetically manipulated early man. We started the world's civilizations, started the world's religions. Now at this critical juncture in human history, we are back. ET is back to usher mankind into a golden age. I believe it will happen after some sort of a nuke event. And what's going on right now is just mind numbing. Um, in with Ukraine, the scare with all the all the saber rattling, it's like, have you people mm -hmm. lost your flipping mind? Have you lost your mind? But this is what's going on. And the late David Flynn, who was a colleague and and a friend of mine, believed as I do that there was something would trigger the revealing. Um, we know that they have the ET, so-called ET, has the capacity to turn on and turn off the missiles, intercontinental ballistic missiles in the silos because it happened. In our Watcher series, we interviewed Robert Salas, who's now all over the place, talking about that, how he watched the missile silos, the green lights go on, they could have launched them. They're all panicking because a 60 foot wide UFO appeared over the base. So, you know, it's no longer, it's no longer what I say is what the government is telling us that the phenomenon is real. It's a question, how will they reveal themselves and we don't know that yet. We just keep going up the rungs of disclosure, but it's here. And, I, and to your point, um, I was got an email and I interviewed this person and I, I will not, not go public with it and uh, with all the detail. This person was from another country and allegedly they had met someone very high up in their government who right in front of them shapeshifted. They were alone mm -hmm. with this person in a room and the disguise all of a sudden went off and they just sat there and looked at each other. And this particular leader, you know, was looked at this person and um, not shrugged their shoulders, but just kind of, you know, didn't apologize. They both knew what was going on. And then, you know, this, this government figure transformed back into a human. Now, you know, do you go public with something like that? You can't vet it. It's it's a wild story. We've heard other stories like this. We don't know. So, do you think that's common? Do you think that there are a lot of people in positions of power, government, industry, leading, guiding culture in the world and our civilization who are hybrids? I, I think that hybrids do exist, and the hybrids have have definitely integrated. But I also think that there are many people. If, if you get to a certain point, um, and, and let's face it, I mean, the, the planet, it, it's a perfect example of this is, you know, the little pandemic thing that happened a couple of years back, where the entire planet in lockstep fashion shut down, unprecedented event in all of human history, unprecedented. And it was lockstep, every single country, that's it, we're shutting down everything, everything was shut down for what was it? you know, 30 days, whatever it was. And that's an unprecedented event. How was that done? How was it orchestrated? And who orchestrated it? And of course, you know, you, if you say that you're a conspiracy theorist, uh, not so fast. Now we know that this thing was cooked up in the Wuhan lab. I said that when, when we first heard about it. 
I said, oh, the Wuhan wet market, classic lag the dog. This thing came from the from the Wuhan lab 28 miles away, whatever it is. And it was, was it deliberately released? We may never know, although there was a, a, a Chinese uh, virologist who defected and was on news, Tucker Carlson, and Tucker asked her particularly, was this created in Wuhan lab? Yes. Did the Chai comms deliberately release it? Yes. So what is the truth? We don't know. But it's beginning to unravel now. And, you know, the official narrative is sort of got a lot of cracks in it. So we live in a world that is, it's very, very strange. UFO sightings are through the roof. Meanwhile, the biblical narrative, the prophecies, Jesus says this almost 2,000 years ago. He says, it'll be like the days of Noah when I return. What differentiates the days of Noah is the presence of the Nephilim. That, that's what differentiates the days of Noah. Are the mm -hmm. Nephilim back? Absolutely, they're back. They're integrating with us. And the same, the same, it's like, it's not exactly like, but it's similar to the days of Noah. And that's exactly where we are. Um, and then he gives us a punch list. Wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places, men faint from fear of wars coming upon the earth, written 2,000 years ago. There's your punch list. Wars and rumors of wars, anybody? Check. Famines, all you got to do is look at third world countries. Double check. Pestilence, that one was never really in until the pandemic hit. Double check. Earthquakes are like this. It's like exponential, just coming up. We've had more earthquakes in the last 20 years than ever before. And, and they're more severe. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. You might think less of me, but I don't know what pestilence means. Pestilence <laughs> would be like the pandemic. Oh, okay. Okay. I hadn't heard that word before. Okay. That makes sense. Um, There's so, a lot of words I haven't heard either. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Do you think that all of the sightings of, of UFOs are all these creatures or are some of them government mimicking? It's, it's both. Some of them are mimicking by the government. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not privy to government sources, um, but I have heard stories from people that have been embedded and then basically whistleblowers and they and I've, I've heard it you know from too many people to discount um there are bases deep underground military bases and these entities are working with with us there was one one man that that came on the rec came on the record and told me point blank that you know he was in an underground base and he freaked because the grays were there and they were working side by side. And then another guy, no collusion between them, said exactly the same thing. My, my friend's son, so it's third-hand information, came to him and told him that this is what he was doing. Um, you know, we, we've heard it, oh, Bob Lazar talks about back engineering the craft. Lazar never changed the story from the 90s. I've always believed it, always believed it. And then the government, the Pentagon link says, we have in our possession off-world vehicles not made on this earth. Pray tell. Where are they from and who the heck are making these things? So the cat's out of the bag in numerous ways. It's the best kept secret. Um, but we've back engineered things uh, for sure, definitely. So we've got our stuff, but they've got their stuff. And, you know, we, we've got film. Look, I, I talked to a pilot um, who was flying in Alaska who encountered a mile wide craft. I spoke to Ricky Sorrell 
who was out deer hunting in Texas on New Year's Day. He looked up, he looked up, kid, and he couldn't see the edge of the craft. So here's the edge of the craft. He couldn't mm. see it. He looked up gotcha. like this thing was right over, was right over the treetops, and it's wow. silent. And he and he and he thinks about shooting it with his shotgun, and then says, maybe that's a bad idea. And the thing, the thing kind of tilts like this and goes up and then shoots off. And like a minute or two later, three F-18s go screaming by in the same direction. That was one of theirs. Uh, Phoenix Lights is one of theirs. Um, some of the other stuff, especially the black triangles, I think are ours. But, mm. you know, this is, there's a guy that I interviewed, his name is Gary Schultz. And I, I've been speaking about Gary lately because he was the one who put Area 51 on the map before anybody knew what Area 51 was. He got wind of this place and he went, he drove there because he lives in Los Angeles. So they would go there on a Wednesday and they would go to this one place called the mailbox where they're perched way up high looking over the base. And guess what? On Wednesday night, the craft would come up like this and, and do, do all sorts of crazy maneuvers and then blink out and then reappear over here, stuff like that. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And, you know, he was, he's looking at the craft and just blown away. And it was on Wednesday night, they brought a Japanese film crew out there and they filmed it. It would fly like this, it would blink off and then reappear here in, in a split second. So it's jumping through space time. And that's what, wow. these, that's what the propulsion system is. Commander David Fravor talks about that this thing is here and all of a sudden it just, it just shoots away like a bullet out of a gun. Well, the G-forces would kill a normal human being, but the way it works, in my opinion, and this is Bob Lazar, work, there's a gravity wave. The craft is bending space and time as we know it. So there are no G-forces. The gravity mm. wave, there is, there is no gravity. There are no G-forces, which is why you can make right angle turns, which is why you can do all of that. That Thank makes you, sense. That makes total sense. Um, and so why are the government reverse engineering these things? And are they getting help from the, the aliens? And, and why, why bother if like, the aliens have their ships? Why bother creating your own versions of them? Is there a separate? It's, I'm just trying to put all the pieces together in my mind of. They went, they went way down the rabbit hole. They made a deal with them. I believe Eisenhower was, <coughs> when, he, when he misses that one day, oh, he's at the dentist office, nonsense. He's at Holloman Air Force Base, one-to-one -one meeting with these guys, in my opinion. So I've always believed that Holloman, we covered this in, in film number two of our UFO series. Preston Dennett and I talk about it. Uh, he's also an author and researcher who's written numerous books on the UFO phenomenon. So what's interesting about this is I think there was a quid pro quo way back in the Eisenhower years where we were given technology that was what we got. And in our turn, we would give them access to the population so they could abduct them. Mm. It echoes the Book of Enoch almost exactly. Because in, in the Enochian account, when the fallen angels come down, they give weapon making to mankind and give them certain knowledge for access to the women. It's the same thing. It's the days mm. of Noah. Jesus calls it out. With great specificity, it will be like the days of Noah. If I'm right about Holloman Air Force Base, and there's no way to vet that, but maybe it will come out. 
Maybe they'll have the footage and they'll actually show us at some point. You just don't know where it's gonna go. But we, what we have to realize is this has been in place and it doesn't matter what president's in, in charge, this is need to know and they don't have a need to know. And that's why there is a shadow government, in my opinion. And this stuff is, look, I was approached by a guy from the deep state who basically schooled me in the first, he threatened me three different ways because of our work on the Kandahar giant said, well, when we come to arrest you, we'll find kitty porn on your phone. Isn't that interesting? Well, do you have a car? Yeah, I have a 1991 SL500, which I've restored. Does it have a computer? Yeah, but it's an early model. Well, we can manipulate the computer so you can have a fiery crash. You can lose control of the car. Mm. About recently, what's been in the news. Number three, do you have any children? Yes, I have two girls. We could take one and you'll never find her again. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, I get that. You have all the cards, you have all the power. I'm a worm. But you can't do that unless the most high God allows it. Now, that's a bold statement for me to make. But after, And this was back in 2015, 2016. But after walking in this for decades, that's what I believe. Because I've seen it over and over and over again. So, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to poke the bear here. You get what I'm yeah. saying? I don't want to act yeah. arrogant or bold because it's not me. But, you know, when you're threatened like that, what do you do? But this guy schooled me from on the deep state. And he said, we don't care who's in the White House or who's in Congress because we're here. And we just year after year, we get funded. We have our dark, dark budget, black budget stuff. And this is nothing new. But when you actually encounter someone from the deep state, from one of the alphabet agencies who shows you their badge, who threatens you and then begins to school you and say, we don't like what you did with the Kandahar Giant. Why don't you just shut up about it? And what is the Kandahar Giant? The Kandahar Giant was, we broke the story. Um, we've got three separate witnesses that had encounters with this thing. It's circa 2001, um, high-level targets. Our troops were searching for high-level targets in Afghanistan, Taliban stuff, and a patrol is dispatched. They missed their rally points. So the next day, another patrol was dispatched to find a patrol that went missing. They are on a trail. They're in this really weird place. It's a cave above them. They're high above a canyon floor uh, on this ledge, but the ledge is about 30, 40 feet. So it's like a little plateau, a cave above them. And they, they're seeing human body parts and parts of the radios and things like this. So they're on red alert. Out of the cave comes a 12-foot giant with flaming red hair, um, it's brandishing a large spear. It's screaming at the top of its lungs and they all freeze. It's a nightmare, 12 foot, really big. And this thing moves with such agility that they can't believe it. And Dan, this guy apparently by the name of Dan snaps out of it and he begins to fire his weapon at the giant running towards it. Well, the giant moves with such agility and speed. He's got a large pike, large spear and he impales Dan and holds him up like this and threatening the rest of them. And somebody says, shoot him in the head, shoot him in the head. And the rest of them just open fire with all their automatic weapons and basically decapitate this thing. Down it goes, double rows of teeth and it stunk. The stench, according to the witness, was, was like, a, and I've never smelled this, was like a pile of dead corpses, mm. bodies. The smell was, was absolutely, it made you wretch. And some of the guys did. It made you, made you throw up your breakfast because it was so, overpowering six fingers double rows of teeth red hair was it a modern day nephilim in my opinion it was 
Are they here? Yeah. Could that thing be thousands of years old? Absolutely. All that was hushed up. And Steve Quayle broke the story before we did. So we got his, his contact and our contact together. And we realized there's no collusion between them. And the encounters are several years apart in different locations. So now we know that there's two of them. Wow. So you break the story and then someone from the deep state approaches you and basically tells you, like, shut up about this. Shut up about it. And I mean, I did and I didn't. It was already, we had already filmed it. I mean, I talk about it. When, when Trump got elected, it basically all went away. But in this particular political climate, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to poke the bear. Um, there was an article written about the Kandahar giant, which was basically a hit piece on me saying, you know, it's just a fanciful story. So people can believe what they want to. I guess, I guess I'm just making all this up. <laughs> so how do you, how do you interpret that? That there are certain things that they'll come after you and threaten you about and other things that they won't. Does it sort of, do you think, okay, well, when they threaten me, that means I'm really hot. And when they leave me alone, maybe I'm cold. Does that affect your research? The feedback you Not get really. with the press? I, mean, I don't, I don't, look, I'll, I'll be 72 years old in December. I, I have no desire to, to go out of here until, you know, it's my time to go whenever that is. Um, it's a shame that the people of the world can't know the truth. That's the problem. Um, I say this on, on one of my shows, On the Trail of Nephilim. There is a hidden history that's been deliberately obfuscated from the peoples of the world. The people of the world have a right to know our origins and what they are, what's gone on before, what these ancient megalithic structures and who built them, because it certainly isn't human beings. Uh, let me show you what I'm talking about. When you go down to a place like Sacsayhuaman, which is right here, and, and you go there and you see, you see this. Mm. Yeah, these, for some people who are listening to this and not watching it, yeah, these giant stones that are built together to create walls, but it looks like they're melted together in some way. Yeah. Uh, you can't even and, see a piece of paper in between the cracks. It's just like molded yeah, like that. And, and the Inca did not do that. I mean, it's just nonsense. The Inca even stayed on the record for, in the Spanish conquistadors, um, written tradition that they asked, well, who built this? And the Inca said, we don't know what was here when we got here. They used it like, like many different indigenous tribes and people that come into these sites. They just use them for secondary funerary purposes or their ceremonial stuff. But the Inca mm -hmm. did have, had nothing to do with it. But we're, we're lied to and we're told that the Inca did this. Well, if the Inca were such master stone, stone masons, let me show you another picture, then, then why, pray tell, um, didn't they, you know, didn't they actually kind of pony up? There's that picture again. So I'm gonna mm -hmm. I'm gonna zoom in here so you guys can see this. I'm gonna zoom in. So look, look right here. This is the original stuff. Look, look at the precision. Look yes. at this. This is ink a slop. See that? Oh, They're filling in the cracks. And over here on this side is the colonial. So you have three different types of stonework built by three different three different uh, people. Push back. Right. And, so and yeah, I mean, that's we're, what we're a, we're a bull for, for people who can't see that. 
where maybe a boulder or a rock had fallen out of the wall and, and broke. Yeah. They repaired it. And the repair job is, it's not, they clearly are not the same people who built not the original. The it doesn't match at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's why it's, I mean, a person, a 13 year old can look at that wall and you can say, Hey, Scotty, was this built by the same people? And they would go, I don't think so because we look like we got three different types of building here. And we do the dress rock from the Spaniards, but it's still dressed and it's mortar. The, the ink of slop, as I affectionately call it. I mean, I'd like to have an ink of slop wall on my property because it's a nice wall, but it's yeah. not the pristine construction that we see in Sacsayhuaman and Cusco and other places. It's not Oye Tintambo. And then it all just disappears and it all just goes away. And that's why, that's why I take umbrage with the powers that be, what are you guys so afraid of? You know, why why are you so afraid of of you know spilling the beans, as it were? Why you know why why can't the peoples of the world know the truth? So circling back to the UFO phenomena, when when that happens, when they reveal themselves, that's going to be the global change. That's the global shift. And turning back to the guidebook of the supernatural, i.e., the Bible. I call the Bible the guidebook to the supernatural because that's what it is. When, when you look at the book of Revelation, there's a one world government and a one world religious system. How's that possible? Welcome to the so-called arrival of ET. Everything will shift. The religions of the world will collapse. This one world government will take place. This one world religious system will take place. And that's this was written thousands of years ago. It's not what I'm saying, but we're here on the cusp of it. So it's a well, morning- Yes, sir. What you just said there, can you repeat that again um, about the one world government? And because a lot of people are, especially this last couple of years, are following this path and seeing the power structure, the call, you know, a very small number of people are now running the, the world. And and you're saying the, the Bible is, you know, has laid this plan out thousands of years ahead of time. Can you just recap what you just said? Uh, yeah, I just I mean, sort of- it's written thousands of years ago. And it says this, that you will not be able to buy, sell, or trade without the mark. What's that mark? Well, I think that it, it's coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. And when this thing's written thousands of years ago, you would say, well, that's impossible. How, how, how's that going to work? We're here. We're here. I mean, hmm. the technology is here. And I yeah. believe the implant that we removed in our watches series by a man who was abducted and implanted, that's the prototype of the mark. That's the prototype. So prophecy tells us that there'll be a one world government and a one world religious system headed up by the man himself, the Antichrist, the anti-Messiah. That's written thousands of years ago. So we'll have a one world leader. There's a clip with King Charles talking about him. And we need to give him all the resources we possibly can. Now, is that, did somebody go in there and, and, you know, Photoshop it and make it look like that's what he's saying? I don't know. I find it incredibly interesting. When you look at the the World Games this summer, it's just like, I mean, are you you guys, and they telegraph everything. I mean, the bull, the woman riding, the beast, it's right out of the book of Revelation, right Mm. out of the book of Revelation. There were 71 people with these torches as this asteroid came to Earth and split up. And then these fragments were taken by the 71 nations. Mm. they're telegraphing us what's about to happen that's something they have to do that right they have to for whatever reason that's that's part of the protocols 
It's part of the protocol of the heavenly war, which we don't understand, but they have to telegraph it. They have to announce ahead of time what they're going to do, and they do. So just think about this. This object comes into Earth, it splits up, and these 71 people representing the 71 nations pick this thing up, right? And then, then this beast comes in, pulled by slave women, which is a whole other story, and then it's a bull. It's, it's Moloch. Here we are. I mean, it's just like, it's unbelievable, right? And the bull is snorting and everything else and rises up. And then this, the woman who rides the beast with the torch, she mounts the beast and rides it. That's right out of the book of Revelation. A woman rides a beast and she takes this little scroll and goes up and hands it. She's got this, the, you know, the, the fragment, this this glowing ember thing from the asteroid that came in. And she sets it on a stand next to King Charles and they open the top and King Charles opens the scroll and it's from the queen. And then what is it? A few months later, Prince Charles is now King Charles. And look, I don't know what's going on. Nobody's got- But these, but, but these, um, these ceremonies that open up, you know, sometimes the Olympic games- yeah, I, I, or the Super Bowl, or these massively watched, um, and you'll wonder, like, hey, what's going on here? There's a thing happening, um, but there's a story being told. We think it's just like some sort of made-up art, but really, what they're doing is they're 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 telling you what's going to happen in some cases, in a way that you dismiss it, like, oh, this is just entertainment. But really, what we're saying is these are like um, occult you know, secret, um, not, not, maybe karma is the, the wrong word. What's the word you used? It needs to well, be the rules, the rules, yeah. they're following the rules that they have to display what Protocol. they're going to do. Protocols. Protocols. And then by us not um, objecting to it, are we in some way unknowingly giving permission for them to continue with the plan? Does Essentially, yes. If, if you recall Madonna at the Super Bowl, that was that was an occult initiation rite, and she's up there moving her body in ways that, you know, watch the clip. It's bizarre, <clears throat> and she's like the high priestess, which is what she is. She's the high priestess, and they all come marching in. I mean, it's like an occult ceremony. Katy Perry comes in riding the beast. We see it again at the Super Bowl with Katy Perry. Now they've they've sort of toned things down a little bit um last year was sort of a nothing burger but you know what what amazes me is like they call this art and it's not i mean this is like we, we've we've done music down and the arts down to the point where you know if i if i show you this oh that's a great work of art <laughs> you know where, where can i get that right i mean it's just just nonsense it's just nonsense and it's um we are being herded, manipulated um, in ways that, I, that are unprecedented. And we're in, look, if the game changer is, the game changer is when you get a couple of mile wide ships appearing over Moscow, Paris, Kiev, Washington, everything changes. And I, I keep warning, this is the coming great deception. This is what it is. It's the coming great deception. It sets up the rule of the Antichrist. It sets up the one world government, the one world religious system. Everything, the entire planet paradigm shifts instantly the moment they show up. 
All cameras, all news agencies are on the craft. That's all anyone's talking about. Everything stops, airplane, everything. The world stops, stops dead in its tracks. And this is what we look at. And it's coming. And what we're, and what we're looking at when that moment happens are soulless beings, soulless that are soulless entities that are of uh, the devil? Well, you know, see, when, when you say the devil, people have this preconceived notion. Well, it really doesn't exist. Think dragon, dragon. Think dragon. Think this incredible, powerful entity that, you know, was able to convince a third of the host of heaven to follow him. And so these entities are incredibly powerful. They can also manipulate space, time, matter, and energy in ways that have to fire physics, and they do so. When you're when a person is levitated, you know, out of their bed and flown through the window, how does that work through the window? We're looking at advanced physics that are unknown to us at this time. It, it appears to us magic, but to them, they're just doing it because they can manipulate space, time, matter, and energy. So this is why there's a supernatural world and all this, everything we're talking about goes back to a supernatural. And that's why I call the Bible the guidebook to the supernatural world in which we find ourselves um, surrounded in, manifesting now. And I think in the near future, it will manifest in ways that'll just be mind boggling. And we've talked about that on your show here. Yeah. So do you think that um, King Charles is playing the role of the Antichrist or is the Antichrist? No, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I, I have another candidate, but we don't know. We just yeah. don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I guess we got to be a little careful. Um, <laughs> I'll send you an email later. Um, <laughs> wow, this is wild, wild stuff. Um, have you ever uh, tried psychedelics or anything like that? Um, and, and what did you learn from that experience of yes? I see you nodding um, yes. Yeah, I, and, and look, I was at Woodstock. Unlike President Clinton, I inhaled as deeply as possible. <laughs> um, I took mushrooms, psilocybin, peyote, LSD on multiple occasions, uh, not over 20 times with everything everything combined about 20 times over a period of years. Um, I had all sorts of stuff happen on those trips. What it is, and when you take ayahuasca, which is you know the, 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 the drug that will catapult you, all these things are like you're taking your car, you're crashing into a party. You don't belong there, number one. And ayahuasca, which I've never taken and never will, is a very complex concoction. Where did that formula come from? So some, some native in South America goes, you know, if we take this and this and we boil it down and add a little pinch of this, we'll go to the second heaven. Um, Graham Hancock in his book, Supernatural, talks about his, his numerous quests with Hiawasa. And yeah, you're going someplace. And what does he see there? He sees the graves. This is the second mm -hmm. heaven. The first heaven is earth. The second heaven is the second heaven where the greys and the fallen angels reside. The third heaven is where the most high God, El Shaddai, that El Elyon, that's where he resides, the third heaven. In scripture, in the Bible, it talks about what I call the great eviction notice, where Michael and his angels fight with the dragon and his angels, and the dragon gets kicked out of the second heaven. 
woe to the inhabitants of earth because the dragon is now amongst you and he knows his time is short. So when if you took Hiawasa right now, you would wind up in the second heaven, the place where the greys hang out and everybody else. And that's what that's what Graham Hancock can't figure out because he's mm. he wish you could call me. Graham, give me give me a ring. Shoot me an email. Let's talk. <clears throat> he goes, whoever these entities are, they seem obsessed. Get this. This is my wheelhouse. They seem obsessed with creating a hybrid with us. That's Genesis, Genesis 6. That's Jesus telling us to be like a Nephilim when I it'll be like the days of Noah when I return. The Nephilim. Yeah. Why do these hybrids in the second heaven obsess with creating a hybrid, a hybrid entity? Why? And, and this isn't my words, this is Graham Hancock, who bounced up in there numerous times. So mm. we're forbidden to do this stuff because we're not equipped to deal with the entities in the second heaven. We're not. We don't belong there. It's not our habitation. Um, and can you gain power? Like every shaman on the planet goes through exactly the same ritual on some level. They all go to the same place. They acquire the same power. They acquire power. And I've been around shamans and I know what that's like. And they, they can acquire power. And there's a price that you pay for that power. And that, that price is your soul. That's it always is your soul. And, and in many cultures, like in the Navajo culture, in order to become a shaman, you have to kill a family member in order to become a shaman. And the one, one man whose name was Jimmy Etsetti, who became a pastor years later, <clears throat> was training to be a shaman. <clears throat> and I interviewed him on the reservation in his home. And he basically said, when I got to that point, I couldn't do it anymore. And I, and I fled, I left. I left the reservation. He became an alcoholic and the whole, the whole crazy thing of trying to, you know, and then he, then he came to Christ and found peace and realized, you know, that what was going on here. So this is why, this is why we're pawns and you can side with one side or the other. You side with one side or the other, whether you like it or not, either, either by default, by not siding with anybody, you side with the dragon or you go, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And that's the really the, the nexus of my work. That's the essence of it. That's why I create films and write the books that I do. Hmm. I know I have a, a really intense uh, experience. I had an, an intense uh, experience with, with psychedelics. It was DMT, which is more, the more condensed, concentrate version of uh, ayahuasca. Yep. And, um, and I've since been, because I was fairly proud of my experience you know you're telling your close friends and what and whatnot and you know i have a lot of friends that are christian and and they warned me kind of like what you're doing saying like hey you know you got to be careful with this stuff you know it's, you can end up attaching yourself to entities and all, all sorts of different absolutely. things absolutely and in my experience my intention at the time and this is going back a few years but was to sort of uh you know again open my mind and and see them see the matrix and, and understand the what what we're living in and what i did get from that was what i saw and i thought we i must have mismeasured the dose la because <laughs> i feel like i really Oops. blasted off <laughs> a little too much a little too much okay but what i what i saw was like i was almost like in another dimension it was it was like i could see the building blocks of the matrix and i was there and it was i thought i had died it was terrifying um but when i came back from that I, I knew there's a great architect, like God is real. 
this was built and it kind of solidified my belief that that there is a god like we're living in so whatever this is some would describe it like you know some say it's a, a simulation of some kind or you know it's maybe just beyond our comprehension but it, it was like a, a supercomputer i was in it and i was looking around and it was absolutely mind-blowing so there is i guess for me it was sort of um it changed my perception of reality and what god is um and i sort of envision him now as like the great the great architect i say him that's sort of a weird way to i don't i, I don't he's um necessarily a man um but you know what i'm saying no i um, do no yeah. I, I totally do and i, I concur um <clears throat> i i say this at conferences nobody knows what this is or where we are in it if the united states is analogous to the entire universe is planet earth you know in walla walla dallas you know new york city los angeles tampa nobody knows we don't have a clue no one knows where consciousness resides we don't know you know you can carve open the brain to the cows come home and there's not a little guy waving at you i mean we don't know how we interface in this three-dimensional biological suit that we find ourselves in that for the most part works pretty well most of the time but we don't know you know our we, we breathe our heart goes we can see we can think sound language all this and it all works and we all just take it for granted well it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made he holds all things together he holds all things together and what you saw when you popped up was this is why when we approach an entity in that dimension they can look at us and they can read us they can completely read us and and can tell what our weaknesses are what our strengths are everything they know exactly how to how to come in and hit us they can see it and they can tell because they're in that dimension and that's that's how they're reading us mm. wow so getting back to uh if we can a little bit more about what's happening now um how do you see things playing out over the next let's just say year if we're following the the, the as you call the bible yeah, the guideline or the, the guidebook to the supernatural. Yeah, guidebook to the supernatural. What do you think is going to happen over the next uh, relatively short period of time? Watch Israel. Everything hinges around Israel. Um, you know, Russia. It's, I mean, if you, if you read Putin's speech, uh, it was just castigated the West for our decadence, and rightfully so. Uh, rightfully so, in every way, shape, and form um because we're really painting like the western media is really painting putin as oh yeah evil man, world, yeah. evil man. You, so is that um being done on purpose and, well, and putin is actually trying to spit some truth let's look at ukraine and who's involved in ukraine and you know who boasted about you know the billion dollar thing fire the prosecutor you know who boasted there and the 25 or 20 bio labs in Ukraine, what are we looking at here? <clears throat> I don't trust anything that the media says about anything. I mean, I just don't. <clears throat> if there's a nuke event on this planet within the next year, um, you could be looking at the revealing of the so-called extraterrestrial presence, the game changer, the coming great deception. In the meantime, 
um, watch Israel because the prophecies all hinge around Israel. Everything hinges around the nation of Israel. So, you know, it, it's, I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, you could look at the, the Great Reset could happen. You could look at the collapse of the United States petrodollar because you can't keep doing what we're doing and printing money out of thin air. And eventually, you know, right now, everyone trusts it. And this is how we trade. Oil was traded in, in the dollar. That's why it's the petrodollar. Oil was linked to the dollar. But the Chicoms are looking at the yuan and, you know, and, and, and linking oil with that. Um, the Iranians hate us. I mean, anything is, we are in a very unprecedented, incredibly unstable time, unlike I've ever seen in my lifetime. And so talk of the Great Reset, certainly a possibility. Uh, the revealing of a so-called extraterrestrial presence, certainly a possibility. If that happens, that's, that's the ultimate game changer. If they show up, that, that changes, like I said earlier, that changes everything overnight. So we're seeing, this is what Jesus called the birth pangs. When you see these things begin to happen, look up because your redemption is coming. But understand that they're the birth pangs. They're not the tribulation. So from there, it goes into the tribulation, the seven-year period, unlike any other time in, in history, where you get the one world government, the one world religious system, the revealing of the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, all that is implemented in the seven-year period of time. That's written here in the guidebook of the supernatural. I'm not making this stuff up. It's thousands of years old. And everything is headed towards that. It's, it's, it's going towards that. We can see it happen on the six o'clock news for crying out loud. So it's, you know, look, I, I, I don't live in fear. I don't, but I watch and I'm ready. I, I watch and I'm kind of looking up going like, you know, how long is this thing really going to can continue the way it continues without just collapsing? Because it, it, it's being propped up artificially. Most people can see that. So we'll see. And can you, uh, do you have five more minutes? Sure, absolutely. Thank you, sir. Um, so when you talk about the, the great deception, can you dumb that phrase down for us? Because I've heard that many times before. When the, when the aliens reveal themselves, it will be a deception. Does that mean they're going to say, we're here to help you? Exactly. They're not? That's the deception? Exactly. Okay. That's right. it. And, and this is prophesied in Second Thessalonians, once again, from the guidebook of a supernatural. And it says, because they did not believe the truth, God sends them strong delusion. That's the great deception. So what do you mean they did not believe the truth? Well, the truth is this, that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was with God in the beginning, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's the truth. Now you can believe that, or you can believe in the fallacy and, and the absurdity of Darwinism, that somehow from nothing, the complexity of life that we see here just sprung into existence, that the complexity of the deoxyribonucleic double helix of life, DNA, molecular structure, just, oh, it just happened, right? Nonsense. Yeah. That's, that's, they did not believe the truth. They believed the lie. So God allows the strong delusion to happen. And it says, it's, once again, Second Thessalonians, it says, do not be troubled in word or mind that that the day of the Lord and our gathering to him have come. So that's a three-hour conversation and a lot of different interpretations. But the bottom line, that the day of the Lord and our gathering to him has happened because that day 
will not happen. What day? Our gathering to him, the day of the Lord, our gathering to him will not happen until the apostasia, the great falling away, the apostasy happens, and then the man of sin is revealed. Then the Antichrist is revealed. So the um, apostasia is the word in Greek. And it means a, a departure from the faith, a great falling away. We haven't seen that, but that begs the question. That begs the question. What event will cause a great falling away, cause people to no longer believe in something and go with the lie? And both of those are found in, 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 in Second Thessalonians chapter, I think it's, I think it's two. I could be wrong. But it's been found in Second Thessalonians, maybe it's chapter, yeah. But it's it's there. And both of those, the great falling away and the strong delusion are in the same chapter. So I find that incredibly interesting. And I think that's where we are. So the aliens show up. They pull off the great deception. They say, we created you. We're here to help you. Um, but we need to restructure the world in a different way now. Exactly, so, exactly. So that, but we, but we promise you, uh, you know, incredible technology that will, there'll be no more cancers. There'll be all of these things will go away and it'll, it'll seem like they're going to help create paradise on earth. That We're is the lie. That's and that'll, that'll, and then we will in that probably head into, I guess, a new era where it's the mark of the beast type stuff where, okay, well, you've got the, the chip, but it seems cool because it's technology and it's just, Hey, you wave your hand and your drone delivers your breakfast. Exactly. This sort of, and this, and this period of time goes for what you believe seven years, what it says in the, in the Bible, seven year period. Exactly. Seven period. It's exactly seven years. Okay. Exactly. And then, and we'll, then the, and king then. Comes back. then the King comes back and, and uh, behold, I saw heaven standing open and there was a white horse whose rider is faithful and true with justice. He judges and makes war. His eyes are like flaming fire on his, on his head are many crowns. He is dressed in, um, he has a name written on himself that no one but he himself knows. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and he is called the word of God, that's Jesus. The armies of heaven rode with him on white horses dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. And on his robe and on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's who's coming back. I was there for three seconds 42 years ago. I was on a white horse. I was flying on the white horse. My hands were gripping the mane of the horse. There was no bridle, no bridle, no saddle. I was, I had no idea where I was. I was a brand new Christian. In the body or out of the body, I wasn't in my body. I was out. I was there. When I tell you it's as real, I was there for three seconds. It was as real as talking to you. I'm holding the horse's mane, that second one. I look to my left and there's this great throng of riders. It's in a horseshoe shape and the armies of heaven are stacked. Floor one, two, three, four, five, ten, twenty, and a horseshoe shape. And in the middle of that vast array is one rider on the white horse. We're all on white horses, but we're all looking at the rider on the white horse, and we're flying down. We're, we're headed down. And, and, and then I look up, second three, and in front of me, I'm on the right flank, not the top, but the right flank someplace. And I look, I'm about eight rows back. 
And in front of me are these really big guys and we're headed down. And I didn't understand what it was I was looking at. And I went to my pastor, I said, I had this, I had this vision, I was there. I don't understand. And I told him, he goes, have you ever read Revelation 19? I said, no. What happens at the end of that seven years is the rider on the white horse. I behold, I saw heaven standing open, the gateway between dimensions, the interdimensional portal gateway is open. And out of that comes the armies of heaven. And out of his mouth, Jesus's mouth, he strikes them. He just simply undoes them and they just fall over. There's no like cutting the heads off of orcs. He just, he just undoes them like this because he holds them together. And he sets up a thousand year rule in Jerusalem. Now I realize for some people, that's like, that's like, that's like Star Wars, man. That's just unbelievable. It's sounds better awesome. than Star Wars. It's it way better awesome. than Star Wars. And that's what's so cool about it. We're living the real Star Wars. Wow. And, and how were you there for three seconds? How did you conjure up he this? He took me. And I'm not the only person. He took, he took other people throughout the guidebook of a supernatural. It's happened to me twice in 42 years. It's wow. very rare. It's very rare. And, you know, what why are you doing? Huh? Were you, uh, were you at the fruit stand getting groceries? Almost. <laughs> like I was the first time I was getting ready to go to bed. I was getting ready and, to, go to bed and just, it just happens. Just boom, come up here. Just, wow. and, and you're there and, and you're there. I, I might, I'm on the horse, no bridle, no saddle. I'm holding the horse's mane. Second two, right around the white horse. Second three, and then back just like that. And what yeah. are you thinking when you're back? Are you just, are you freaking out? Oh, I just, I completely, I had, I just went, that's why the next day I called my pastor and went wow. with him because I had no idea what had just happened. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and what was this? What was the uh, second um, time? <laughs> second time about, about 15 years ago, roughly. And um, I'm getting ready to go in the shower and I'm yanked up. I'm taken again. I find myself in a great throng of people. We're not pressed together like sardines. There's a space between us, a great throng as far as you can see. And no one is at that second one. Um, no one is, we all know where we are. We all know that where we are. And there's this holy reverential silence that permeates the scene. No one's talking. There's a slight rustle of, of tens of thousands, maybe millions of people all gathered together, but we're not bunched in like, and we're all looking in the same direction. We all know what's just happened. We're all there. It's a holy, holy reverential silence because we know we're in the presence of him. And the third second, I go like this. I look down at myself because my sin nature is gone. I've been changed in a twinkling of an eye. It's no longer there. I'm no longer, my DNA has completely changed that sin nature, which causes us to lie, cheat, get angry, steal, you know, rob, kill, murder, commit adultery, you name it. You know, we all do it. We all do it on some level. Hopefully not any of those things that I just said, but it's there in the human condition, let's face it. It's all gone. I'm released, I'm free. And I went like that. And then boom, I was back in front of the shower. The shower was running. I dropped to my knees and I wept. Wow. 
Wow. And, and the, other, the, the, the tens of thousands or the tens of millions of people that were there in that moment, that quiet moment, do you think that all of them were suddenly at the grocery store, mowing the lawn, doing whatever, and you were all brought there together at the same time, and you were all in, in a state of astonishment? Yeah, that's also written. Behold I, behold, I show you a mystery. Once again, from the guidebook of the supernatural. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all die. We shall be changed in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And we will rise to meet the Lord in the air. Rise to meet the Lord in the air and be with him forever, evermore. So that's that's called the rapture. A lot of people don't believe in that, but it's 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 in the guidebook of a supernatural. You know, behold, mm -hmm. I show you a mystery. You know, we're at we're we're he just come up here and up we go. Up we go. Yeah, wow. pretty cool. Dude, that's so cool. That's wild. There's so much uh, fun talking. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's way better than Star Wars. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, and real quick, what, what is happening in that, in that seven year period? I'm thinking about this now. What are, what are they trying to accomplish in that seven year period? Because it's written that they lose in the end. If the, if the you know, the guidebook of the supernatural says, says what you've just kind of said, what are they trying to accomplish in that seven year period before that moment happens? enslave as many people as they possibly can with the mark if you the mark. and then if you take the mark purpose? yeah well if you take the mark then you lose your soul mm. you take the mark it changes your dna just like it did adam and eve thousands and thousands of years ago and you now take on the dna of the dragon which is irreversible you can't fix mm. it at that point yeah. you can't fix it Gotcha. Very and I've so seen, I've seen, yeah, it is. And I've seen patents, you know, Bill Gates or someone that there's some kind of implantable chip that will connect to not, I guess, cryptocurrency or the blockchain that will, you know, you're, you'll, you'll be able to do work and then it'll automatically build up your crypto in the cloud. And then you can go and swipe your hand to buy things like it's all there's there's actually and I think the, the trademark is like something something zero six zero six zero six. Yeah, it is. I, I've seen that patent. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what are your thoughts it's on that? Patent? Both. Nothing to see here. <laughs> right. right. Like they're telling you. So do you believe that is the mark of the beast that technology, whatever that is, we can all look it up later. Is that what we, is coming? I think the implant that we took out from the man who was abducted when he was five years old, and it, he was 45 when we removed it. I think those implants are the prototypes. It was about the size of a grain of rice. It interfaced with the nervous system, not the circulatory system, but with the nervous mm. system. And it was never expunged. That's one of the prototypes to what I believe was the coming mark. It's real. The mark is real. There's no doubt about it. And it, it will be able, you'll be able to buy, sell, and trade mark of the hand, you know, back of the hand or in the forehead. And I've talked to abductees who have actually gone to the mirror with a razor blade and cut the implant out of their forehead. Actually cut the thing out of their forehead. A woman Whoa. did that. Oh yeah, my she, she knew she was implanted. She knew she was taken. She knew she was implanted. I talked to another guy, same thing. Yeah, I, 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 I felt it. I knew it was there. I got it. I got rid of it. Oh my gosh. And what about this Elon Musk, um, the, the brain chips that he's putting in? in people because that really that what freaks me out about that is that if people go along with it and get the brain chips because it'll be so cool you'll be like neo in the matrix 
you'll be inside another world if you're connected with your actual brain they can then pull off any stunt they could they could make you think that the the armies from heaven have arrived and it's just like a computer ai they're running on you and you wouldn't know and and so, that's that's why look you're a human being i'm a human being but if we start taking these other things into us what is humanity do we begin to lose our humanity do we in fact begin to lose our souls and it's when you read again the guy book of supernatural it talks about trading in the souls of men in <clears throat> the book of revelation at the end of days trading in the souls of men and women so this is why you know for your listeners out there if you've never plumbed the depths of the guidebook of a supernatural you have no idea what you're missing because everything i've stated is from the guidebook everything we're talking about goes back to the guidebook of a supernatural so you can call it bible because that's bible just means book i refer to it most often as the guidebook of a supernatural because that's what it is it's a guidebook mm -hmm. to tell you exactly what's going to happen and what's happening all around us right now and how would you start is there a best version to get because i know there's been people over the years who have said certain parts of the, the bible have been taken out have been taken out for certain reasons because they contain like enoch and where would you go what, what would what copy would you get where would you begin your journey if you want to go down this uh you, know, you, you can read the uh, amplified bible you can read the king james new king james because the these and the thous aren't there the old king james has some of the most beautiful prose um ever written you know it's it's beautiful in the english language but you know pretty much um new standard version amplified is always good because it like amplifies things but the most important thing is is to get to invite him in you know like 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 new agers invite the spirit guides in right i'm not making this up and you know that that's true if you're uh, if you're going to take ayahuasca then you know you invite them you you make a pact come on in you know i'm here i want you to come on in you want to have you know stephen greer invite them in invite them in ce5 Close Encounters of the Fifth God. You invite them in. Well, it's the same thing with this. You want to know about the guidebook of a supernatural? You go there and you go, you know, I, I believe that this guy, Jesus, came. I believe he died for all my little nasties. And I just want to accept the Holy Spirit. I, I want, I, I just, I'm tired of this. I, I want to know the truth. And when you do that, something dramatic may happen. Most oftentimes, nothing dramatic happens. Then you start cracking this book opens. And the first time, I guarantee it, the first time he speaks to you will flip you out completely because you realize, oh my gosh, you know, the God of the universe just told me something, just, just gave me an insight. Wow. And that's, that's like, you just sit there and you start laughing. You just go, oh my gosh, because it's not me that's doing it. It's not the dragon throwing stuff in my head. It's him. And he throws something at you like that. It's it's unbelievable. And that's what we're talking about. And that's what the, the early church, that's what the early church was about. That's why all these people radically got saved. Got the, because they realized that they were being changed. They were being changed in ways that just were unbelievable. Look, he, I've been doing this for 42 years. And I'm like a kid in a candy store. I realized that I'm basically in kindergarten, you know, and know this much from a picture that's this wide. So that's why, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's not what people think it is. It's absolutely amazing. Totally amazing. I'm still laughing that you said uh, he died for my little nasties. 
Yeah, well, that's what they are, right? <laughs> we did. Wow. Well, LA said it. We live in a in a supernatural realm. It's more wild than any Hollywood movie you've ever seen. It really is. <laughs> um, I love that he calls the Bible the the guidebook to the supernatural. And dude, what a throw! I was like a kid in a candy shop just hearing you speak. And uh, um, you were so generous today with the, with the knowledge you shared with us. And I hope that at some point in the future, we can do it again. I'm sure oh, you planted, you planted some powerful seeds in myself and, and the listening audience. So LA, man, you're a legend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great to be here.